Hi everyone, uh, Louis Rebo, Horse Racing Happy Hour. I uh, just wanted to intro this uh, this interview a little bit. Um, today's guest is is Jay Adande. I met Jay last uh, Oaks at Churchill Downs, and um, he was had moved into a role as the director of sports journalism at Medill School at uh, Northwestern University of Chicago. And uh, because of COVID, they ended up uh, at the Derby instead of covering uh, one of their usual events, usually around basketball. And uh, so I wanted to get his take on the Derby. He and I really hadn't followed up on his experience and um, what he had thought about Medina Spirit and lots of other things. And so I uh, enjoyed this interview. I had a great time with J.A. And so hopefully he'll be back on the show. Thanks. All right. Welcome in year in review edition horse racing happy hour. My name is Louis Rabot, as always. Today, uh, special guest J.A. Adande. Um, you likely know him uh, from ESPN, of course, before that was with the LA Times after graduating from Northwestern, uh, joined ESPN in 2007 as an NBA columnist, still appears uh, from time to time on Around the Horn, uh, has since moved to a different role, and I think that's what led to us meeting last year at the Kentucky Oaks. So, J.A., welcome into the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you think, did you ever think you'd be spending a Thursday morning being interviewed on a, on a horse racing podcast? <laughs> no, I, I didn't have that on my, uh, my, my life vision board or whatever. It is. Your life bingo uh, board. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You never know um, where, where life will take you though. That's the beautiful it, thing about it. So I know you've covered the Olympics and tennis grand slams and super bowls. Is there, is there a more obscure sports podcast than horse racing that you've been on? Can't say that I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So I wanted to bring you in because I think you have um, a, a really a different vantage on, on horse racing and what happened last year. Um, like I mentioned, you and I met over Derby weekend um, in the media bunker at Churchill Downs. And can you sort of give our listeners the background on what, what you were doing at the, at the Derby? Yeah, so at... at Medill School of Journalism, we've got a program called Medill Explorers for our graduate students. And we basically shut the school down for a week, usually in the middle of February. And uh, we take the students usually <laughs> around the country and around the world right. uh, for tremendous opportunities. Uh, we've gone, you know, in sports alone, um, we've gone to NBA All-Star Weekend, uh, mm. take five groups to the Winter Olympics in South Korea a few years ago. Um, uh baseball spring training minor league baseball um all channel uh all the major media outlets in new york city all, all these great trips that we've taken um and we've been able to escape chicago in the middle of winter which right. <laughs> a not small part of the the reason behind that program um you know we were able to get it in kind of at the buzzer before everything shut down in march of 2020 due to covid um we didn't, I didn't get to travel with all-star weekend for the NBA was in Chicago that year. So we did that, yeah. um, you know, and then COVID hit and everything changed. And one thing we did was we pushed it back into May um, instead of February with the hope that that would buy us enough time for things to improve. And it might not seem like it as we look now, but for a moment, things did get a little bit better. That's right. um, with regard to, to COVID and, and the vaccines had come out. So we were starting to see the vaccines have some impact. Um, and so when we first did it, I said, okay, what are we going to do for sports? Like that mid-February had been kind of a sweet spot, particularly with NBA All-Star Weekend. And 
my thought was, I, and also the other restriction was we had to uh, do something within driving distance of Chicago. They didn't Got want it. us getting on airplanes um, sure. again due to the to the COVID risk. Um, so, okay, first weekend <laughs> or first week of May, driving distance of Chicago, um, and you know I started looking around and thinking. I said, well, okay, the Kentucky Derby in Louisville. Um, let's see if we can make that happen. The problem was I, I had no, no knowledge or right that, that we could really do anything efficient. Now that, now, that wouldn't stop us. Um, you know, we've, we've done the Super Bowl in the past without really having access to the Super Bowl. There, there's so okay. much that goes around it. You know, you can sure. cover, you know, and I'm sure you've been aware of covering Kentucky Derbies. There's a lot of stories around the Kentucky Derby that don't actually involve, um, you know, going to Churchill Downs on that Saturday. Right. So, um, you know, one of our students, as it turned out, did a great story on, you know, visited a, a, a hat shop, you know. Yeah, right. Somebody that sells hats and what business is like, obviously, Derby Week. Yeah, there's stories like that that are out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I wanted the, the you know, wanted as, as much as we could. So, um, uh, you know, I reached out. Um, uh, I, my first order of business was to call Pat Forty. <laughs> yeah, of course, right. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I knew Pat from his college <laughs> basketball and college football days um which would still continue to this day i guess i should say from my college football and basketball days um so i got to know pat 40 and i knew obviously he had his horse racing ties from um you know all his time in louisville so uh he recommended i reach out to darren rogers at at the kentucky derby at churchill downs and um you know lo and behold we were able to get our group credentialed you know only could we go to Louisville, but we'd be able to get credentials for the Derby. And, and actually, I think COVID helped because yeah, right. they, they limited the number of credentials. You know, normally, I think it would have been overflowing, but because they restricted um, the, num the, the number of credentials they granted, there were fewer people that were going to be in the press room. Um, so kind of one of our conditions was we didn't actually have spots in the press room. Sure. I would, I would say that was the only limitation slash restriction that we had was that we we had access to the press room, but we didn't have places in the press room. Um, you know, and they did that in order to to restrict the number of people that were in there working. Right. Um, they spaced them out. They they didn't seat anybody at adjacent desks uh, last year. And um, yeah, so I would guess how, just based on previous interviews, it was about. 35 to 40 percent of normal media yeah. and photographers yeah right yeah which actually played to our advantage again because um you know maybe normally they they would be all out of of credentials and access but because we didn't need access to the press room and we didn't need spots in the press room um we were able we were able to to get in there and um you know the, you know the uh just loved it we had that September Derby right before you came and right. um, it's when I knew that our show had cemented a, a weird spot in the, um, the radio coverage of, of triple crown in Louisville in that we were radio row. Um, wow. The three of us, so you were in that <laughs> section with us in 322. We were the only three people in it. And um, I have pictures from literally them rolling out the starting gate to the Kentucky Derby and nothing but empty seats. Wow. And so, I mean, just a, a remarkable sort of thing. And actually we were really fortunate. Uh, two months later, we were radio row for the Breeders' Cup in Lexington. So it was a drivable thing. Um, you know, we were able to test and do those things. And um, 
And we ended up, they literally took a couple of tables from inside, put them on the walkway at Keeneland. We ran an extension cord, set up our, our equipment, and we were there. So um, those were pretty, I mean, a, a derby with no people was very surreal, especially in September. Yeah, um, that one must but, have been weird. Um, the, yeah, the interesting sure. thing, a derby with a third of the crowd, to yeah. me, was actually really pleasant. Um, yes, correct. Yes, uh, <laughs> that's right. You know, because because it as I, I took in, I actually watched the, the derby race itself from the infield. Um, so I'm mm. looking back at the stands, you know, and there's 50,000 people and that's a lot that that's, you know, it's about as big a sporting event as most people are going to go to in a year. Um, but the stands didn't seem <coughs> empty. You know, the, the stands felt, uh, I guess a good chunk of that 150 every year is, is in the infield. And so, you know, the fact that I had my back to the infield, maybe, maybe I would have noticed the, the, diminished crowd more if I've been looking at the infield but looking back at the stands um you know it's a healthy representative crowd right. so it didn't feel like oh man this feels diminished like it felt like a good number uh Pat Forty told me it was a lot easier to navigate oh my gosh with yes. one third of the people so he said no, we're, we're walking through an area by the, by the paddock before the derby we were heading out to the track and he said normally you wouldn't be able to move through here it's so crowded mm -hmm. so that that part was great um and just the, the net effect was that, you know, as I, as I look back on 2021, that that was like the one thing personally, and um, it was also great for our students. I, I know, if nothing else, the students got got that experience and, and they loved it and they they just yeah. embraced everything about it. Um, Darren Rogers recommended that they come out early on on Derby Day and right early, I mean, like 435 in the morning to yep to catch the the horses as they work out on the track before dawn and um a lot of them got up and made that trip and and um you know just that that scene of sort of some of the the pre-dawn mist and the sound of the horses on the track and you're you're up really close to the rail and you know you see and hear and feel them go by you and all of that so they love that they, they love the pageantry of it all the outfits that everyone was wearing uh, later as people arrived for the derby um the unique aspect of this particular derby was that all the food and drink was free the time waiting in line and the 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 kind of the point of contact and so in order to to just make the you know the lines move faster all the food and drink was free all weekend at the concession stand so that was a lot of fun um but it, it just really I was so happy for them because our last year's students sacrificed so much. They did their whole year remote right. learning and, oh. um, you know, they, they didn't get the, the camaraderie of being together. They didn't get all the benefits of in-person experiences for the most part. Um, to their credit, they really didn't complain. I, you know, I think they had an idea of what they were signing up for when they decided to come that year, you know, knowing that could be a possibility. Sure. Um, and so, you know, and that was a, as opposed to the previous year students who wound up, you know, they, they came in one and applied to one world and halfway through it became a totally different world. And so they wound up with half their half their time being remote. Um, but this group wound up their whole year was remote learning. Um, they didn't gripe about it. And I was just so glad they got this experience. They loved it. They, they got this derby. And not only was a derby again, it, it was just a more accessible derby. It wasn't an overwhelming derby. It was a, 
you know, yeah, reduced crowd, but um, I would say the, the experience wasn't reduced. You know, oh, I mean, it was you still. Tell me, having been to many normal derbies, like it didn't right. feel like a diminished Kentucky Derby, right? Not at all, for sure. It, it was, um, it, it was less of that congestion that that Pat Forty talked about, but um, no, it felt like Derby for sure, um, especially coming off of September. Um, so that that was really really positive. I I have to say, I love hearing this. I can hear it in your voice, just how much you love it. And um, people, I don't think we've even mentioned, you're actually the director of. Uh, sports journalism now at the Medill School, where you graduated from, and, um, and and where I went to my first derby, actually my senior year. I went I, there. It is, yeah, took right. The bus down to the derby um, <laughs> at May, and I I can hear it as you talk because I is it true you were the um, the editor of the school paper as well, right? Uh, sports editor, my senior year, yes, in college, right? Yeah. So this is you know you had that experience, and you, and you know you so you have these students last year who are remote, remote, remote. Um, and you mentioned this earlier, I think you and I were in a very similar spot where I was like 12 days past my second shot on Derby and you were 10 days or something like that, you know, something like that. So we were still like in that unknown weird zone, but it was spaced out enough that we were outside and, you know, they did a good job with that. And what I love though, is that Darren, did you guys really right by saying, get here in the morning because there's nothing in sports like horses working in the mornings there just isn't and you described it very well with the mist and the you know it's the weather is totally different at five in the morning than it is at 5 p.m um also the weather was spectacular that weekend oh, last derby too that was another great aspect of it we've had two in a row like that which is which is means that this year is just going to be an absolute deluge and so um, you know what what this carried over actually for me jay that you know the next week the next sunday medina spirits positive test comes up hmm. and I'm due in Baltimore that Thursday to cover the Preakness and I lose my desk. So I can, I can relate to you and your students because I lost my desk at the Preakness and I ended up, there's a, a picture of me on Twitter doing our radio show from the roof of Pimlico and um, because that's where I could find space. And so, um, but anyways, you also mentioned something to me while you were down here, you, you held up the credential and you said, this is one that I've really wanted. Um, it, on your list of credentials, I, I know that so you've covered something like 20 NBA finals. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. 20 that I've been credentialed for. Right. Is there a, is, I'm sure the first one of those was awesome. Is there is there another credential like the Kentucky Derby that you have that you look at once in a while and you think that was a cool event? I'm really glad I went to that. one. Well, my, my number one credential. So I ba- I saved all my credentials, you know, yeah. almost all of my credentials over the years. Right. Right. Now, for at one point, they were all up on my wall in uh or a wall in my home um when i moved here I, I i took them all down they're currently in a bunch of shoe boxes um <laughs> uh, except for a few so like my top ones are displayed in a case and my number one at the center of that case and it's not a very fancy one like that Kentucky Derby one you know it's, it's laminated it's got my picture on it uh, might even have like a hologram on it some of them do um can i guess number one what's that can i guess is it is it Wimbledon? No, no. Okay. So the All funny right. thing, it, it's not an annual event, actually. Oh, um, okay. And I, I do have a Wimbledon one. I've got a Masters. Yep. I've got I've got all the major, you know, Stanley Cup, uh, yeah. NCAA Final Four, all the major bowls, all that. Um, my my number one is um, uh, it's a basic like green construction paper. It's got the USA basketball logo on it. And it's a credential for a dream team training camp in Monaco, Monte Carlo. Oh. Um, which, 
got, I was, so I just graduated that summer, 92. And um, my friend and I had planned a trip to Europe. Uh, he was going to be working in Wimbledon for HBO and then at Barcelona at the Olympics for NBC. And he had like a two week gap in between. So I flew over, met up with him and we just kind of hung out. We had this itinerary where we just met in Paris, went down, we went down to um, Pamplona, ran with the Bulls. And uh, I had happened to run into Mike Wilbon. I'd interned at the Washington Post the year before and I, I visited Washington that summer in 92. Mike happened to be in the office. Um, I told him I was going to France. He's like, oh, we're gonna be there. Dream Team's gonna be there. And so we looked at it and it turned out um, our last couple of days were gonna coincide with the Dream Team's arrival in Monte Carlo for their training camp before the Olympics. Wow. And uh, so we, we tinkered with our itinerary a little bit so we could be there. And um, and I got there and I said, I gotta come to this. So I, I kind of tried to like walk in with the rest of the media to the first practice <laughs> and, and um, Craig Miller, who was the newly appointed uh, PR director, communication director for USA Basketball. I said, what are you doing? You can't come in here. You, know, you need to be credentialed. And I was supposed to intern with the Miami Herald later that summer. So I called, I think I called, used oh. like a calling card back in the day. Yeah, Miami right, Herald. Yeah. I, I said, hey, uh, you don't know me. I'm your intern. I'm starting next month. Um, I'm here in Monte Carlo. Would you want a, a story on the Dream Team training camp? Uh, you know, can you fax a credential request over here? Uh, yeah, fax machine days. And so they did. Um, Craig Miller hooked me up with the credential and um, uh, I got, it, it was incredible. I, I walk in and it's like the hall of fame, <laughs> the living oh, for sure. a wing yeah. of the hall of fame is out there playing. Um, I don't think it was the day of the game. We got to see the tail end of a scrimmage. Um, there's that one famous game, you know, magic and Michael were on opposite teams and they're really going at it. It was talked about in the dream team documentary. I think they talked yeah. about it in the last dance documentary. I don't think it was that day, but it, it was still incredible to, to come in and, you know, we caught the end of their, the scrimmage. Um, then I interviewed everybody, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, magic bird, you name it. Um, uh, so that was an incredible, that's my number one credential. Um, it's, it's funny. I just was thinking about it. So the aforementioned Craig Miller just, um, retired after a glorious three decade run at USA basketball, right. just retired in December. And I sent him an email and, and I said, you know, you still, his signature is on that credential actually. So, wow. um, he'll, he'll always be connected. Even if he's no longer working, he's, uh, he's always connected with, with, my best credential just I guess because it's it's so exclusive I think they were like 20 media oh. members there at that for for you know this height of the height you know which the amazing thing is all those great players will tell you in a lot of ways that's their best basketball memory or those games and those practices um that they played there the practices more than the games they, they said it was just the ultimate highest most competitive basketball that they'd ever been involved in were those dream team practices in Monte Carlo so I got to see it. I got to be there. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of people that have those derby credentials. Um, very <laughs> and I wonder how many still have them. Of, of You know, I, I seriously wonder how many of those credentials still exist in the world. I mean, it'd be pretty easy to duplicate it, actually. You could just, you know, yeah, right. <laughs> get some yeah. green paper and run it off the copier. Um, oh. But, you know, this is the actual credential um, that I used in Monte Carlo in 1992. And, and again, there wow. were maybe 20 media members there at most. 
That's incredible. Um, man. And especially, and people know this about you. I mean, you're just such a basketball, um, in Kentucky, we refer, uh, you know, we have Cal Perry around, so we refer to them as basketball bennies, but, uh, you're such a, you're such a basketball guy. I can't imagine, uh, how awesome that was for you. And, um, so what was, what was your take, you know, the Medina spirit positive comes out, you've covered the Derby, you know, you, you brought all your students down here. Was there a discussion amongst your students about it? Was there a, um, a sort of interest in following how that story's played out since we're now on uh, January 13th of 2022 and it is not resolved um, that and has there been either no longer with it. and he's passed away since then, of course. Um, is there a, obviously for you personally, but was there a discussion amongst your students? Yeah. And, and I guess it, the lesson was sometimes the, the story isn't said and done. Um, and also maybe we should have been paying more attention you know there there'd always been these kind of rumors about you know the Baffert horses and how he did it and what was the secret to his success sure and um one of the cool things about the derby was some of our students were able to interview Baffert um yep you know after some of the earlier races um you know and he's very uh you know he's got that that charisma about him right uh you know he's, oh yeah he's a great interview if you can yeah if you can plop down with him for 40, 45 minutes, it is unbelievably entertaining. Absolutely. You know, it's almost like an intoxicating persona, you know, to be around him. Totally. So, yep. Uh, they, they certainly were caught up in that and the ones who were able to interview him. Um, I, so I, I think it, it was a reminder of the need for a healthy skepticism, right? And, and it's not as if he hadn't had, you know, uh, questions or, or stories or connections with performance enhancing drugs for his horses in the past. So um, it, it's funny, my, my, my first thought when, when Medina Spirit won was bet on the Baffert horse, when in doubt, you know? That's <laughs> you know, right, this, no, of course. This, this right. horse wasn't favored and wasn't getting a lot of attention leading up to the Derby. Um, but it, it, it's funny, because I felt like Baffert won like two or three races earlier in the day yep. on, on, on Derby day, you know? So it was all right there uh, that, that um, there's a good likelihood that his horse would win the Derby. Um, but also, you know, there was a stronger than average chance that, that his horse would have some, some substance in it. Um, so it, I, I think it, the lesson was really about the need for a healthy skepticism as a journalist. And it was really easy to, to just kind of write this glowing story about Baffert does it again. Um, but you should question it. Uh, to me, it goes back to the great home run derby with McGuire and right. Sosa. And right. um, it's funny, early on in it, I did a, uh, I did a TV panel, a local thing in uh, LA, and we were talking about it. And uh, Doug Krikorian, a longtime LA columnist, yeah. I'm sure you know and aware of, um, yep. uh, he was on the panel and everyone's like, well, what do you make of this? What do you think? And um, Doug says, well, it tells me McGuire's taking some great steroids because, uh, you know, Doug was an aficionado of, of bodybuilding. So he'd been in that world mm. and, you know, in, in bodybuilding, you just don't naturally get that big. You know, the, the, the right. forms and drugs are just so prevalent. And so to him, to look at the, the changes in McGuire's body, um, to look at the rapid increase in his home run rate, to him, he couldn't look at this and not think, steroids or some other drugs have to be behind it and we were all kind of aghast when we said like oh, you can't say that what are you doing <laughs> and, um, right and yeah 
as it turned out, yeah. Um, remember, somebody reported on there was a bottle of Androstenio just in McGuire's locker. Yes. And he reported on it. It wasn't banned by baseball at the time, but people kind of turned on the reporter when it wasn't like he was snooping through the locker. Like if you just looked in the locker, there's, you know, family <laughs> pictures in there and bottle of Androstenio. And, and he just noted that, hey, there's this bottle here. Here's what this drug is known to do. And people jumped on the reporter like, no, we should have been more skeptical. I mean, a lot of the baseball media says we should have been more skeptical. Um, you know, I think, I think the horse racing media should have been, you know, more skeptical um, of it. Our, our, our students, you know, I, I'm not blaming them. You know, they, they were new to this genre of, of, of coverage. Um, but again, this, this had existed with Baffert before um, some of these accusations. So I think that that was a lesson was, was you need to take note of the entirety of the story. So before you came down, I, the reason that that I was able to sort of just introduce myself when, when you were in the media bunker was that I think uh, we, we have the LA times in common where I was doing some spot work for the, 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 the newsletter on horse racing there. Um, how much of the horse racing newsletter did you read before you came to the Um, I had, I read it. I had, I had encouraged our students. I, I was kind of going through and, and clipping stories. Um, anything I could see on the Derby. Um, I, you know, we talked about the the wave of of horse deaths at Santa Anita Racetrack in California. Yep. Um, you know, we were trying to talk about some of the issues of horse racing. Um, uh, we listened to the excellent Bloodlines podcast that Wright Thompson had done for ESPN. Yep. Um, we had two of the producers of the podcast join us in, in class. Um, so, you know, my my antenna were up for all things horse racing coverage of, you know, the predictions of the race, but just also issues. I, I wanted them to think about the sport in general um, and everything that was going on in the sport. Um, you know, we weren't really there necessarily to cover the race. Um, you know, that, that was a part of it, but like our, our mission wasn't to really just write about who won the Kentucky Derby, right? Um, so we were really trying to be aware of um, just, the state is horse, horse, you know, the impact of, of, uh, of legalized gambling and, and how, sure. you know, that was a concern in the horse racing industry that it was going to take away from, from horse racing. If you had competition from there, like all these issues going on hmm. with, with horse racing, we were trying. So I, I was just trying to read as much as I could. Well, good. Hey, um, I, I have to ask one personal question. We talked a little bit um, at Churchill Downs when we were there about your family. And something I didn't know about your family is that you are descended from a very important jazz violinist. Um, how many of your colleagues know that about you? <laughs> uh, some. Uh, okay. You know, <laughs> Reality and I have talked about it. Um, I wouldn't say he was he was an important jazz violinist, but he's played with some important figures in jazz. My my grandfather. Um, Backed up Charlie Parker, right? Played with Charlie Parker, yeah. Yeah. Great picture we have of him with Charlie Parker. I'm trying to remember how we got started talking about that <laughs> at the Derby. I asked you about your last name and if it was okay. from um, from the Gold Coast of Africa. And you said, yeah. And, I, and you told me how your parents met and everything else. So that's yeah. uh, that's how that went. I'm a, um, I'm a linguistics nerd. People who listen to this show know that very well. So um, it was that yeah. was how we got it. It's actually that. from my mom's side of the family. So my father's side yeah. of the family from West Africa. My mom's side of my mom's father was the violinist um, who right. then actually got into television as a TV engineer. Um, oh. And so, so when my mom was born, he, he decided, okay, he couldn't be traveling around the country <laughs> sure. and around the world. Now they had a young daughter and um, 
And so he looked for more stable work and boy, did he pick the right <laughs> profession. <laughs> right um, time, right? Again, it, it was the dawn of television. And, um, and so he just got in behind the scenes as, as a sound engineer. It, God, you know, it's amazing with reading like Betty White when she passed away, like yeah. she really, like I read somewhere she did her first TV appearance in like something like 1939. I was like, I didn't even know they had TV in 1939, you know? <laughs> like, I didn't know and she was still relevant in 2020. Yeah, right. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Unbelievable. Well, he is uh, J.A. Adande. I'm going to let him go teach and do all those other things that he does up at Medill at Northwestern. J.A., really appreciate you coming on the show. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe we'll run into you uh, first uh, Saturday of May sometime. Yeah, great to catch up. I would, I would love to go back. It really whet my appetite. I, I said, man, I got to do this again. But I was so glad I got to do that that one time. And, um, you know, thank you for all your help and, and uh, pointing things out to me and helping me understand a little bit more about horse racing while we were there. And, um, yeah, you're, you're a part of that. It was a great memory that, it, without a doubt, it, it's never been easier to ascertain what was the best part of my year the best part of my 2021 far and away was the experience at the Kentucky Derby and and that beautiful Saturday day in uh in Louisville and and you're part of their memory hey Jay I appreciate that um be well my friend and uh hopefully it warms up for you up here in Chicago soon all right thanks a lot good to catch up with you <laughs> all right see ya